Hello, friends, from Salisbury Beach, Massachusetts. This is the Real Transcendence Podcast, where people, people, passion, passion, process, and possibilities collide. We're going to transcend your thinking, transcend your action, and transcend your results. Here's your host of the Real Transcendence Podcast, Rob Maynard. What's up, friends? I'm Rob. Today is Tuesday, episode 13 on the Real Transcendence Podcast. Hey, if you're a first-time listener, welcome. We appreciate you being here. If you're a multi-time listener, welcome back. We appreciate you just as much. We don't get paid to do this. We do this for free. We do this to help transcend you, your thinking, your actions, and ultimately transcend your results. So do us a favor. Refer a friend. We'll appreciate it. So folks, today on the podcast, I have a really great guest. He's a professional athlete, um, has a long laundry list of accolades, but he's suffered through his journey. He's had many ups and downs, and it's been an amazing journey, a lot like a lot of us. So I'm really excited to jump in. So take a listen and let me know your thoughts. Take care. Welcome back to the Real Transcendence Podcast. Hey, folks, today I have a really exciting guest, uh, somebody that had connected with me on social media, but his accolades and his experience um, and his resume is one that um, anyone would be jealous over. Uh, This person here is a three-time World Series participant, twice at the JUCO level, one-time national champion um, with Southeastern University. He's also an All-American. He was also selected to the Golden Spikes watch list in 2019, which recognizes the top 55 players in the nation by USA Baseball. He was also um, a player for, I don't know, what team was it, Dan, there for the uh, Cape Cod League? Uh, The Chatham Anglers with... Yep, the Chatham Anglers there in the Cape Cod League, which, as many people uh, do know, that's a very prestigious league. Um, a lot of players came out of that league, like Carlton Fisk, uh, Frank Thomas, Jeff Bagwell, Chris Bryant. And then uh, now this guest is also a member of the Windy City Thunderbirds, a professional baseball club. And today I'm very blessed and fortunate to have Dan Valerio on the call. So welcome to the show, Dan. Hey, thank you, Rob. I I appreciate it. No, I really appreciate you being here. Uh, My goal from this conversation today and the goal in general is to always bring good content to people that will ultimately help transcend people's thinking, their mindset, and ultimately their results. And uh, what attracted me to you was you had a pretty, pretty cool story, um, that I happened to read and uh, you shared a little bit with me, um, but I thought it would be good to give people a little bit of color uh, behind all of these accolades because in life, um, truth be told, it's not all lollipops and rainbows, right? It's all about the journey. And sometimes the journey is difficult and life throws us a lot of curveballs. So can you talk to us a little bit, Dan, about, um, about that journey? You know, where, whereabouts did you grow up? What was it like? 
growing up, um, I assume you grew up in what, New Jersey? Yeah, New Jersey. Yep, exactly. Yeah, cool. Talk to me a little bit about the, the you know, the early Dan Valerio. What was it like growing up in New Jersey? Um, what were your parents like? Your, uh, your base, your early part of your baseball career? Yeah, definitely. So, you know, growing up, I have, you know, I live with my mom, my dad, and my younger brother, Michael. Um, you know, my, I'm, a, I'm a junior, so my dad's name is Daniel as well. My mom's name is Carolyn. And basically, we grew up in Titten Falls, New Jersey. Um, my dad was self-employed. My mom never worked. Uh, you know, my dad went to work and he, he came home tight knit family. And, you know, that, that was my biggest thing. My, my dad always was made sure that he was home for dinner, stuff like that. You know, that we, we were built up on values and, and just coming together as a family. Cool. And then, then as you, as you know, you know, life started to happen, that things started to, to change and, you know, it was, it was time for me to go to high school and that, and that's where, you know, the beginning of my career started where I was transitioning from playing football, basketball, um, always played baseball, but now it was time to just really dial in and, and listen, some athletes play all sports and they're, they're very well-rounded, but for me and for my dad's vision, you know, he, he wanted to get me in front of the, the like the top you know the, the different things like baseball factory that i i went to a lot a lot of their events and those happened all year round so you know through high school i wasn't just playing spring baseball you know i was playing in the fall i was going to florida in the winter time i was going to arizona i was going to to different things to just try to improve my game because at that time in high school i wasn't a elite player coming out of high school, I had no scholarship offers. Wow. You know, so to be able to have, because that's the thing where you talk about the the journey and the, the, you know, the getting more into the, what really, how how I got to those accolades is, is just years of years of just putting in the work. And, you know, it's a lot easier to say, oh, you know, hard work beats talent or, or the cream always rises to the top. But in my story, that, that truly is what happened, you know, of years of years of just having no results, having having no coaches like offer me money or, or showing me love to, to come to their school. You know, it was just that that self-belief that one day all this work I'm putting in, all, all the all the swings, all the, the time in the basement, just working when, you know, people were sleeping, stuff like that would come to fruition. And, you know down the road, I was eventually able to, to see my fruit of what I, you know, the, the seeds that I planted day in and day out when I was younger. Yeah. And I'll tell you this. Um, one thing I really took back from this is that uh, your dad believed in you. He made those investments, um, as did your family, um, in you, because he saw something that um, really other people did, right? So wasn't there a time where um, you tried out for one school and they thought that uh, you weren't good enough to play for that club and therefore you transferred. Yeah. I mean, that, that, um, that transition there happened in high school. Yeah. Um, yeah. My, so as a freshman and a so- as a sophomore, I, I went to a prestigious school, uh, Red Bank Catholic. Um, and, 
you know, growing up, I, I, I was Catholic and those were my family's beliefs. And, you know, my dad just thought and he was doing well financially that, that we could afford to go to and pay for me not to go to the public school. So, sure. so I, I went and, you know, I tried football there and it didn't work out. And then, you know, baseball came around and, and I played freshman ball and I did well. I performed well. Sophomore year came, I played JV. Um, I went in, I had a conversation with the coach and, you know, that conversation led to basically at the end of it, I get, I gathered that I just, it wasn't the right fit. He basically told me that it was a numbers game and I, and I, you know, I wasn't good enough to, to play over the kids that were already there. Cause you know, there were some kids in my grade class that were elite players, you know, but I was performing well and I felt maybe I I should have been promoted, but he felt otherwise. So I decided to transfer to my public school. Yeah. Junior season, you know, everything happened for a reason there. My junior season, we won the state championship. Um, Wow. It wasn't a great year statistically for me. You know, I hit around 260. Um, So now it was time to, to have the same winning mindset, but, you know, let's, let's improve so that I could, you know, go play in college, which was my passion and my, my dream. You know, that's all I wanted to do. Uh, sure. And so that's what I did. Then senior year, uh, we only had three seniors, you know, so I was one of the captains of the team. Uh, you know, we, and Ted Jarmus, you know, he was a, he's a legendary high school baseball coach here in New Jersey. And he, he was great. He, he was so accepting of me transferring. He allowed me to, to come in my junior year and play second base. Uh, and then senior year, you know, he retired and the, the JV coach, Paul Carello, took over. Great coach, very enthusiastic. He, you know, same thing, but he, he was younger. He had a younger mindset of coaching and it's going to take some years to develop. So, you know, we didn't have as good as a ball club, but you know, my numbers jumped up significantly. I, I finished, I think, senior hitting around 380. So, you know, I jumped like 100, 100 points from junior to senior year. Wow. What, what do you think contributed to that? So you come into a new program, new school. Um, you still hit okay, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe not to your to your standards, right? Because yeah, yeah. You're, you're, you're an abundance thinker, right? You think about the setting that bar really high. I think I read an article where you set out and you said, Hey, I want to hit 400. Um, what do you think happened that junior year? And what was the difference in you as a player coming out into a new school, hitting 260 to then migrating into your senior year and hitting, you know, well North of three, almost close to 400. What, what do you think contributed to that? Yes. Yeah, so I, I would say it's just like, my thinking was just improving. You know, I, I was able to, to have a confidence in the box and that, and that's something that I was lacking. Like, like for the, for the longest time, maybe from being doubted or, or not shown that maybe the respect from the coaches and stuff like that. Maybe I had a feeling of when I stepped in the box, I didn't belong, you know? And yeah. the thing, the thing is like, it, it, it's not a cockiness, but when I get into the box, you know, it's me against the pitcher. You know, it's not so much about who I am or who he is. It's more about, you know, he's trying to get me out and, and I'm trying to get a hit. And I started to, it really started to take root in my mind that, you know, that it, it is a chess match and I, I need to get in the box and compete. 
And that's what I was missing. I, I was putting in the work, but, but you know what, the hard work, it doesn't allow you to, yeah, it allows you the ability to be prepared, but you just working hard doesn't get you on the field or get you the scholarship unit. You know, you got to show out, you got to, you got to go in the box and you got to, you got to put on the, you got to put the results out there. You know, you got to get the hit. So like, that's what I realized. My, my mind shifted from, okay, even though, yes, I worked hard, I put in the work, you know, I still have to, to show out, show up on game day and, and get the results. Right. Yeah. You had to, you had to execute. Yeah. Cause I'm curious because there, I see, and I coach a lot of people in business um, and in life and mm-hmm. everybody has ups and downs. Um, but in a lot of cases, a lot of people, when they have ups, they're not self-aware enough to understand what they were doing in those times that allows them to get those particular results that they were getting. And um, I'm always curious when I'm talking with people that are doing things and doing things consistently, um, that if you want to get the result that you want, you need to, to match and mirror the people that are getting that result, right? You need to be able to put in that particular work. And what I found is when people constantly have that mindset, that belief, that action plan, they put in the work to go off and do particular things, um, and they re- replicate that over and over again, they will ultimately get that particular result. But the reason I asked you that question is I wanted people to understand that when you become self-aware of either the belief, the story that we tell ourselves, the lack of act- action and activity that we take does ultimately reflect in how we show on field and off field or in our business and not in our business. Um, so I really, I really, I really like that. And I appreciate you sharing that. Um, talk to me a little bit about your, your college days, because you did, you didn't have any major offers from any major schools. Um, you had to start from somewhere. Walk me through your college years and what you were really up against there, what you accomplished, because you accomplished some pretty cool things. Um, talk to me a little bit about the college days and what you saw. And ultimately, you you really, I see that you transferred to a couple of universities. I, I do, and I will eventually dive into that. But talk yeah. us a little bit through the college days. Yeah, so, you know, college was a journey as well just like high school and you know once I wasn't getting the offers and you know I was using a program called the e program in, in the baseball factory with uh, a great guy Dan Mooney he, he really helped me you know transition from from getting out of the thoughts of like you know being mad that I wasn't getting these offers to like okay what opportunities do I have so I could go the Juco route. So I started, I mapped out with my dad. We, we went to a different, a few different schools, you know, Florence Darlington in South Carolina, Patrick Henry in Virginia, a few different ones. But then I ultimately, I, I found by searching like online, I found Gloucester Community College, saw that there were a top program. I saw it was about an hour away from my house. Because that was that was something that I felt I wanted to venture away a little and and try to start to to become my own person. Because you know, being in my house for college, I just I didn't want it. Like I wanted to grow, get away. So you know, I decided to go to Gloucester Community in Sewell, New Jersey, and you know, Coach Dixon recruited me. You know, at D3 Juga, you don't sign anything. You know, there's no money involved there. Sure. But, you know, he, he recruited me, and I, I was expecting to go play for him. But, 
in that summer of 2014-15, you know, he resigned and and he went and got the job at Rowan University. And then Coach Rob Valley took over. And, you know, I wasn't sure. Like, I, you know, I was like, man, more transition. Like, this is crazy. You know, I, I had a good relationship with Coach Dixon, but, you know, it didn't matter now. So, you know, showed up to campus, got to meet Coach Valley. And you, and you know what? It, it, it's something that was a blessing that, that Coach Valley took over because I, f- I really attribute a lot of my successes to him. Uh, he, he really just believed in me when I didn't believe in myself. And I was a 17-year-old kid. You know, I was young. I'm young for my age or young for my grade. So, you know, I was on the younger spectrum and like, you know, I still should have been like technically like a senior in high school that that kind of, you know, some kids deal with that starting younger. Um, Sure. And so, like I said, he believed in me more than I believed in myself. He he allowed me to, to get right into the fire, you know, transitioning from from high school, the speed of high school baseball to college ball you know th- this wasn't the the pinnacle of college baseball that i reached you know the cape cod that, that was something that was like to a, to a level on another level but this was sure. like the beginning steps to what was to come and he would always say uh, his, his famous quote was you're not going to play your best baseball here but when you leave here you're going to play your best baseball i won't i won't see that but you know we're preparing you for that and you know well, he had all these quotes and I, I, I didn't believe him, you know, at the time I was like, yeah, okay. Okay. And then, you know, it's crazy to see how it took just like how my own beliefs and preparing took, took fruit down the road, you know, how that stuff really matters and, and how sticking it out matters, especially when you, you know, that's what faith is, is believing when you can't see it, you know? So that's right. That's how uh, that is, dude, that is so, so good. Uh, because I think a lot of people lose sight of the forest through the trees, right? They, they commit to doing something. They don't get the result. They give up. Um, and a lot of time they give up because they don't have that, that inner network, that, that support system, right? You had a great father who believed in you. You had numerous coaches that believed in you that saw things that maybe you didn't see at the time that made that investment in you for you to ultimately get that best result to become the best version of you. And I, you know, I encourage a lot of younger people listening to the show to, to take that because far too often we, we don't get the results or we don't see the instantaneous result that we, we just throw in the towel. And um, what Dan is mentioning here is, is it takes time. It takes a lot of effort. It takes a support system and a structure of people that believe in you, even when you don't believe in you. That's pretty cool, man. That's really cool. And it's a, it's pretty cool to see that there are other people that see things in you that you may not see ultimately in yourself. And I'm sure you've seen that a lot throughout your journey, right? Throughout your journey of baseball, throughout your journey of faith. Um, Walk me through, you know, you, you, you go to two world series, um, you transfer, to what southeastern university um i've never even heard of them yeah yeah um so so after two years at gloucester and going to two division three world series and 
and, you know, falling short there, you know, that was also discouraging, but, you know, there was a lot of growth that happened. And, and by this time, you know, after the two years of JUCO, I was getting scholarship offers, you know, to, so, so to see from two years ago, I was, I had nothing to now like getting interest and having like options and these different things. Um, so NC central, uh, a small division one school in the MEAC okay. re- reached out and, and, the, and they gave me a, a nice scholarship. Um, so I wanted to go division one and, you know, it turns out, you know, it, it happened for the best, but, you know, instead of looking at the, what division they were in, I, I should have just evaluated more. And is this the right fit? is this going to allow me to, to get to the ultimate goal, which by this time, you know, I felt my career was taking a path to, to professional baseball. You know, I felt like, you know, the numbers were getting better. I was leading, I led the country in doubles my sophomore year. Like, you know, I was hitting the ball at a different level. And so like, I just had my, with the different level, I felt, you know, the, the higher my ceiling was. So the more goals I was setting. Um, sure. So, I, so I went to NC central and, you know, things were good. Uh, there was a pro day. I did well. Scouts were interested. Uh, you know, I was, I was performing well in the fall there. But, you know, something happened in my life that, that altered my life. And around, uh, I think it was November of, two, that, yeah, November of 2016. And, you know, it, it was a sickness that, you know, I, I lost, I lost 40 pounds. I, my equilibrium was off. Like I, I, I just was a different person. It was just like a, like such a weird time, you know, it was like a, everything was put on pause. You know, I, I had to leave the university. I had to come home. I had, I had to get CAT scans. I had to get all these different tests and, and they just kept coming up. Nothing's wrong. Wow. And it's like th- this, this what took root in me there was it, it was so not even just not even dealing with baseball this was like life now you know I was like for the first time like I my whole life I was just so focused on this sport and then it was like man I'm nothing without my health and it's like I was losing myself and, and that's what it was I, I felt really you know in that moment you know God was knocking on my door like like, Dan, if you keep going this way, you are going to lose yourself. And ultimately, I, I just, you know, that's where I found my faith. God met me right where I was in that moment of like, okay, let, let's change our whole landscape and our whole perspective on this game and what and how you're living your life. And over those next six months, uh, you know, a, a huge life transformation happened for me. And then ultimately led to me fa- me finding a Christian university, Southeastern, which ultimately led to them not even knowing what type of player I was, just just giving me a scholarship based on um, a recommendation, based on me going to Faulkner University, taking a visit there, you know. So they never saw me. That was just faith. Ultimately, me winning a job and then becoming an All American and having the best career. I mean, the best season of my career. Dude, that is so unbelievable. Um, and it goes back to what I just mentioned before, Dan, about that, you know, this journey, 
right, to wherever it is that you plan on ending it. You don't know, yeah, right? Yeah. The, the future the future has a lot in store for you, but we don't know. But it is about the journey, and the journey does take us left, take us right all the time. Um, you've had probably more journeys, right? You have this roadmap that says, hey, I'm going to follow this, and I need to go here, and then things change, right? You need to detour. Take another, take another road, another street. It goes a different direction again. And that's the journey of life. That's the journey of life in general. And we never know what curveballs are going to be thrown at us, but they're thrown at us all the time. Look at us right now. We're in quarantine. We're having this conversation. We need to be able to adapt and pivot. And that sounds like that's what you really did. Okay. You, you, you pivoted at a time where things got challenged, right? Things were challenging. You, you got the validation you needed to say, Hey, slow down. hundred percent. I mean, that, that's what it was. And, and I, I, growing up, I was never, it was, it wasn't like we talked about feelings or this stuff, you know, it was like, cause what, what happened was it a lot of depression and anxiety came because I wasn't getting answers from the doctors or getting answers. Cause, cause for the first time, like I wasn't okay. And like, I think I was, that, that's what was going on. I was like, I've always felt okay. I, my whole life I've always been okay, but for the first time I, I wasn't and I didn't know how to handle it. So like, I didn't know how to seek help or, or ask people like, like how to be vulnerable, you know? And like, that's what I've learned is like, you know, man, li- life is about relationship and, and being able to, to express to people like what's going on and, and how you're feeling and, and help each other. You know, I, I wasn't into all that, you know? And it was like, you know, I was, I was into like being hard and, and trying to just like act like I was okay or, or like have this pride about me that, that ultimately, you know, led me to my knees and led me to just, you know, rock bottom. It felt in my life in 2016. Yeah. And that, that was a telltale sign. It was a telltale time for you to, I think you needed that to happen. Um, I think you needed that to happen because you just mentioned that you didn't know where you could go to ask for help, but you do, you did know where you needed to go to ask for help. You just, it takes a lot for a man or a person in general to be able to ask for help. It is a pride thing. It is a, an ego thing. It's a belief thing where I don't want to be the guy or the gal that Mm -hmm. has problems. I don't want to be labeled as that. I don't want people to know the outside me but truth be told that's who you are that's what makes you great that's what draws people into you that's what makes you a great teammate that what that's what makes you a great player is being vulnerable being transparent being who you are okay because people gravitate towards people like you scouts are going to gravitate not just to your your state of play but how you address the media who you are as a person right because even the game of baseball the professional game of baseball, yeah. it is a business. It is about branding. It's about identity. So finding people like you that have a great identity who have become self-aware is really, really important. Because when you become self-aware and you're a leader and you can be vulnerable, your friends, your teammates will become vulnerable too. Did you ever see that? Yeah, I mean, a hundred percent. You know, when I, um, you know, so I found... I found my my journey and I, I just started running after, you know, God and, and putting my relationship, 
and my identity in Jesus Christ for the first time. You know, it was different from just putting it in baseball. And then when I get to Southeastern to, to see, you know, people from all over the place, you know, it, Southeastern is a, is a small NAI in Lakeland, Florida. Um, but, you know, by the end of that year, you know, we, we won it all. Like we, it, just to see the, the kind of like, you know, they never won a, a World Series in school history. And then we just went on this amazing run uh, with, with kids from all over the place. A lot of mid-year transfers. It was a whole new club. And to see the different stories, the different testimonies the kids have, the, the different backgrounds. You know, I, I came in as a, as a wounded kid. And I, and, I le- and I left that season like I can embrace my story. You know, it, it, me having depression and, and dealing with anxiety and stuff, I don't have to, to live in that. That doesn't have to label me just like baseball doesn't have to label me. You know, I, I was able to, to share this and, and to be able to share it to at the school. Like, I, you know, I did I short I shared my testimony in front of the the chapel and like the athletic chapel, stuff like that. And I, and I was building some, some long lasting relationships. Um, and I, yeah, that's so dude, that's so good, man. That is so, so good. And, uh, I, Hey man, I, I'm at, I'm at, I'm speechless for the first time because I think this, these types of scenarios, people like you, we, I want to have on the yeah. show more often. Um, because I think it's, it, to me, it's more than baseball. It's a way of life. It's a way of us connecting. Um, it's allowing other people and people like you who have achieved all of these particular things, maybe not the pinnacle yet, but you've achieved all of these things, that vulnerability, faith, all of these things are okay, right? They're okay. Now, I got to ask this. So, um, I grew up, my grandfather um, was very well connected mm-hmm. to the Cape Cod League through the 80s, 90s. Uh, he was connected to a gentleman by the name of Fred Ebbett. Fred led the, um, he actually ran the league. He was the commissioner for the league from, I think, 80, maybe 79 through 96 or 83 through 96. I don't remember the dates, but I grew up watching the sport. I saw Frank Thomas play. I actually Got to meet him, spend a lot of time with him, John Valentin, Jeff Bagwell, Biggio, J.T. Snow. Um, I can go on and on. And, you know, at the time, my team was, I don't even know if they're still the team anymore, were the Orleans Cardinals. Um, they might be Orleans something now. They play over at, um, gosh, I can't remember the name of the park. But um, what was it like? I'm just curious because I know a lot of people aspired to play in the Cape Cod League. It's the creme de la creme. Uh, the best of the best play in that. Um, how did you get notified to go play in that? What was your experience like playing at such an elite level? So now you're, you're going away from Southeastern, right? Playing at a, yeah. at a competitive level, but Cape Cod league, bud, that's like going from single a to triple a or the majors yeah. instantly. What was that experience like for you? How did you get noticed? Or notified? Yeah, and the story behind that is, is crazy and how that evolved. It just thinking about it now just, you know, gives me chills because, you know, so so when I was younger and, and doing that baseball factory stuff, we actually went to the Cape Cod. And, and you know, as a young kid going and, and hanging out with guys that, like, are going to, like, make it. And, and get signed and like all this stuff, just high level players and just seeing that and being like, 
man, just so enamored. I, I mean, I remember there was a kid from LSU and he was hitting on the field off the tee, hitting him out of the, over the fence. And I'm like, holy smokes, you know, I was speechless as a, just a young kid. Yeah. And then to think five years later that I'll be putting on a uniform and stepping onto a Cape Cod League field. I mean, you know, if you asked me then, is that, was that going to happen? Did I see that? No. But like I said earlier, just taking step by step and, and just believing that, okay, one day this will pay off. You know, it, it ended up paying off in just a, a huge way. Like I didn't, you know, expect that. And so, you know, I had this great year and, and I went to, I signed with Valley Blue Sox in the New England League. Um, so I was, I was heading there right after the season if I didn't get drafted and I, I didn't get drafted my junior year. So I went there, but something happened to my dad in February of that season. He, he had a massive stroke. Um, he, he, he was, he's oh not gosh. able to work anymore. And, you know, it, it derailed me. And, and that, that was the thing, you know, God prepared, he was preparing me and, you know, accepting Christ and all those things. I, I, I just trusted him that my dad would heal and become better. And, and, you know, I was able to carry, I was able to persevere through that. You know, I didn't have to just, you know, come home and just start working, you know, thanks to my mom and my brother, you know, they were able to, to start working more and, and provide for us, you know, cause that was a huge, you know, that was a huge thing that happened and, and it really, you know, affected me. And I didn't realize how much it was affecting me, but, you know, long story short with that, you know, my, my dad, you know, he was in ICU. I flew home during the season and I was able to see him and we, we weren't, we didn't know the outcome, but, you know, by the grace of God, he was able to, to heal and get better and get better. And, you know, now he's home. And so I just, you know, I went to Valley and I, and I didn't get drafted. And I just, I was like, man, I haven't seen my dad. I haven't seen my family. Let me go home. So I decided to leave Valley about like a weekend yeah. and, I was just home. I, I was working at a local restaurant. I, I was training and I had a advisor at the time by the name of Alex Hens, you know, great guy. And he, he was really going to bat for me. He's like, you know what, we, you know, we'll see what happens uh, this summer, but, you know, go home, be with your family, but definitely senior year, you know, you, you have opportunities from the numbers you put up. I think, you know, I think you'll get signed, stuff like that, you know, but anyway, so I was just working, you know, for the month of June and the most of July. And then one day I was about to go into work and I got dressed and, you know, I remember it clear as day and Alex called me. I was like, Hey, what's up, man. And he's like, Hey bud, you know, pack your things. You're going to the Cape Cod. And I was like, like, what are you talking about? You know, like I've had all, all these things happen and like, you know, my dad being sick and leaving summer ball and, and like, you know, the, and not getting drafted, putting up like video game numbers, you know? And it, and it's like yeah. all these things. And then it was like, Hey, you're going to the Cape Cod. And I was like, yo, yo, what are you talking about? He's like, I'm going to talk to Tom holiday. I'm just going to confirm that he definitely wants you to come. Long behold, I was, I got a text from Tom holiday. Hey, come up, get up, get up here as soon as you can. You know, at the time I, I didn't have a car. I, I jumped in my brother's car. I just took it. I was like, bro, I'm, you know, I'm going to the cave. I, you know, you'll figure it out. You know, so, so I packed up. <laughs> nice guy. He is. Hey, take my car. <laughs> that, basically, that was it. I packed up and I, I was there and, it, you know, I drove about five, six hours 
and I got there and I was able to see the end of their night game, you know, so for the next three weeks, you know, I was playing in the Cape Cod and it, and it was a dream come true. Um, you know, my roommate was, you know, Spencer Torkelson, you know, who's going to be the number one, number one overall pick this year, you know, like the, the top premier bat, you know, incredible to just see like the humbleness of these guys and to see like, I was the only NAI kid on the roster, you know, that, that wasn't really a thing. Like NAI kids getting an opportunity to go play in a league that's dominated by top prospects, top draft picks, um, division one players, you know, to, yeah, but dude, yeah. let me let me interrupt though. You that's what you yeah were yeah yeah a top player, right? You I mean you were you were ranked by Golden Spikes yeah. to, on the watch list to be one of the top fifty five yeah. players in the nation. So I, I got to hear a little bit about that and you know how that made you feel and what your, was going through your mind and because it wasn't a sure thing, right? It wasn't a sure thing that any of those accolades were gonna promote you. Like if you're in the top fifty five in the country. Um, you're, you're thinking, hey, my, my, my destiny is, is certain. But there wasn't that certainty yeah, there, right? You know, there, there wasn't that certainty because I wasn't getting, you know, maybe the love from the scouts that people thought. You know, it wasn't like they were knocking down my door that, like, you know, I knew I was getting drafted. You know, I knew I still had to put some work in and there were some things in my game that, you know, maybe the pro scouts didn't think that I was ready. Um, and, you know, that still to this day they they haven't you know I, I didn't go I didn't get drafted you know my senior season you know because you know I'm not I'm not sure I don't have the answer for that but you know it's just it's not meant to be at the moment you know so now I got to go to a different route but back at that time you know maybe people thought I was getting all this attention all these accolades and stuff but I they weren't knocking down my door so you know that that's where the uncertainty came in was like you know I don't know you know, but my, my advisor was just encouraging me to just stuff like this happen. He's like, you know, stuff like this happens all the time. They don't show much interest and then you're just selected. So, you know, it, it was really a chess game. It was a, it was a waiting game, but I was just trying to be in the moment. And, and that's what I learned from the life transformation that I have. You know, let, let me just, let me just take this in. Let me soak this in. Cause not every day, you're able to wake up and go put on a Cape Cod uniform. Um, I was just grateful to eat the food. I was just grateful to, to be on the field, take BP, to be around a legend, Tom Holiday, Matt Holiday's dad, you know, and like to just be able to, to, to see like the, how there'd just be 50, 60 scouts at the games, you know, how there'd be nobody there at BP to, to just packed house, you know, just, just t- taking in the moments of sure. like, you know, like that, that was so cool. And like how I felt like, you know, where, where I belonged, I felt like I belonged at that level. You know what I mean? Like the, you know, I was nervous of course, but like, I was like, man, like I, I can play, like I'm ready for this. So. What, what was one lesson you took back from the Cape Cod league? Because that is a, that is an elite level. It's, it's a different level. Uh, did you take anything back? Um, just things maybe you needed to work on, you needed to improve on. Um, did it give you any, you know, self-assessment of, oh my gosh, like these guys are totally elite. These are the things that I need to work on or I need to improve on. Yeah. Like, like 
preparation like like that that was the thing like like just a different level of preparation from the mental side of things from like now that this was a transition from like the nai where i hit 18 home runs with a metal bat to now like facing big time arms upper 90s you know just a different a different level you know you weren't seeing that every day at the nai level you weren't seeing left-handers come out of the bullpen in the eighth inning throwing 97 miles per hour you know this was this was every arm was elite and i'm like you know that that's what it is at pro bowl these arms are elite they're going to come at you in all different ways and and just to see the hitters and how how comfortable they were was like that's what i need i i need to be able to have you know a swing and and a mindset that is able to to handle all these different different scenarios so you know to answer your question from what i take away from from that is just to see like the the professionalism of these players you know at, at at their college age you know to now see you know a lot of them got selected in the top rounds you know so just to see the the preparation from just like the you know yeah there was fooling around and there was good team camaraderie but like you know, it was business when we stepped on the field for, you know, BP, you know, like just a different level of focus from, you know, we're, we're college, you know, you, you have your guys that don't want to go and play professional. So it's more like laid back and stuff. No, I mean, th- this is business, you know, these, these players, some of them are now getting had million dollar signing bonuses, you know, it was just a different level. Sure. Now that led you to today, right? You're you're now a member of what the Windy City Thunderbolts. How'd you get there? How'd you get noticed for them? Um, I assume this is just one more path, one more step on your journey um, to go into the um, you know the mm-hmm. Major League Baseball. Walk me through how you got tied into Windy City, and um, how did you wind up there? Is it someplace you plan to stay? Um, Cause I can't imagine, you know, the, uh, that league pays all that well, you're away from home and, you know, away from your dad, yeah. that's gotta be tough. Um, walk me through how you hooked up with them and what your, what, what your goal is mm-hmm. from playing with this team. Um, so, you know, right after senior year with Southeastern, I, I went to Michigan. I played in the USPBL, a pro league. And, you know, I was there for about a month and, you know, I was discouraged um, and, you know, I was dealing with an injury at the time. So, you know, talking to that skipper, I, I decided to come home and, you know, do that and, and get healthy and get my mind right of, of not, you know, being selected and being drafted. Because like you said, you know, I had the, the golden spikes, the, all these different things on my resume, and then I was denied again. And, and that really, you know, I, sure. I, I waited three days um, for the draft. I mean, I didn't sleep for three days. I was like, you know, I want this so bad. And, and for the first time it felt like, you know, I was so close, but you know, God, it, it wasn't my time for promotion. So I, I you know, I, I still wanted to play. So I went to Michigan and it just wasn't the right fit. And so came home and I, I just been preparing. And I, ever since the time I, I've done some different events and I've, I've gone and I, and I've traveled and, you know, just trying to get my name out there for, for indie ball teams or even affiliated teams. You know, I was supposed to go to a Red Sox workout a couple weeks ago 
um, but that was canceled due to the, you know, the coronavirus. But, you know, I was able to sign a contract with Windy City through, you know, their hitting coach. And, and he saw me back at Southeastern. And over the years, we, we formed a relationship and, and he's seen my ability to hit and he, and he believed in me. And, he, you know, you know, he just that was the thing. He, he believes in me and he was able to vouch to his his head coach. Hey, let, let's give Valerio a shot. And that's exactly what happened. You know, a few other Frontier League teams were interested. And, you know, it just seemed like they were saying things, but they weren't pulling the trigger, you know. And I kept showing up to workouts sure. and, like, be like, okay, am I, today am I, am I signing a contract? And, you know, I was just, like, I was getting frustrated, you know. And, and my dad's sick and, you know, I'm not able to, you know, money's tight and I'm working, I'm doing lessons, I'm, I'm helping with a facility, you know, just trying to make ends meet there. And then it's like at the same time, I have this stress of, okay, when am I getting papers to sign? Uh, you know, so I was losing, I was getting discouraged for a little. And then to build, to have, you know, the importance of the relationships and, and knowing some people, you know, the, the hitting coach, Kevin Santiago was able to, to help organize, like, you know, help be instrumental in me getting that contract. And like, you know, he put in the good word. He, he's like, I believe in this kid. Um, and the head coach the next day sent me a contract and I was able to sign that. And it, and it was, it's really cool. You know, the, the frontier leagues, a a top league in indie ball. And I feel at 23, you know, if I do well there, I'll be promoted. And then, you know, I can ultimately reach the, the goal and dream that I have in mind is to be on an affiliated ball team, you know? Yeah. No, dude, it, it, it's so good, man. It's such a good story. And it, it's got so many lessons, you know, for not just for you, but, you know, for, for me and everybody else that listens to this, that it's things don't happen to us. They happen for us. And everything that's happened for you in your life, now that you look back in that short period of time, they've all been for your benefit, whether you like to think so or not. But good things come to those who wait yeah. and those who put in time. And that's one thing that you've done is you've, you've put in the time. You've suffered through crazy adversity, lots of change, um, mindset change, physical change, health change. Uh, you name it. And you've had that mm -hmm. high degree of certainty. And I just honest to God, man, I, I applaud you for for, you know, really struggling through it. Um, and making it through it, because now you have a, an opportunity that very few people have. You have health, mm -hmm. you have your faith, your dad, your dad and your family are still here supporting you. Yep. I've seen the pictures online. He's been able to make it out to the games. I mean, all of those things you are blessed with. You are still here. You still have a huge opportunity ahead of you. Dude, you're 23. You have a long, even though baseball career, you know, can tend yeah. to go the distance, you know, seven, eight, 12 years. Um, you yeah. have plenty of time left, plenty of time left. But all it takes, as you've seen, throughout your progression, throughout your life so far, mm -hmm. it's just one person believing in you. It, to get to that next level, it's one scout believing in you, seeing all the things that we see in you, seeing all the things that your dad saw in you, seeing all the things that previous coaches have seen in you. Um, dude, the sky's the limit, man. And uh, I'm just so privileged and and happy to have you on here. Um, we're coming to the end here. We're, believe it or not, it's been yeah. Now we lost track. Minutes, time, but. but 
No, but it's, it, dude, it's truth be told, man, it's so good. And I hope this is the first of many to come. Um, you never know who you're going to cross paths with in your life. Um, I would encourage you to keep doing your social media thing. Keep plugging. Um, reach out on, you know, I don't know if you have a LinkedIn page, believe it or not. A lot of pro scouts, they're connected on LinkedIn. I happened hmm. to connect with one of them yesterday who happens to be a scout for the Red Sox. And his only main focus is to go and find people in the oh, Indy Leagues. And I happened to, believe it or not, connect with him yesterday on LinkedIn. And I said, hey, I got this kid. I've read all these articles on him. He's got a ton of accolades. You might want to look into this kid. Hmm. And he responded to me last night saying, hey, thanks, I will. So you never know who you're going to meet. But my belief is the secret to yeah. living is giving. Uh, you've given me a lot here. You've given the audience a lot here. I like to give a lot back to other people. And I just hope we can keep on doing this by getting good people like yourself on here. And uh, this isn't the end, brother. I hope we can form a, a relationship yeah, here, um, a friendship, because you never know where the road's going to, you know, where the road's going to take you. And um, I'm just, I, I want to thank you so much for being a part of this. And yeah, hopefully 100%. we can do more. But no, thank you so much, Robin. You know, when, when you posted that of, of like, shit, you know, who would be interested in sharing their story, you know, that's something that, you know, I, re I really enjoy is just being able to, to share that journey and to share that, like, you know, it's not about being perfect or, you know, saying that I'm a Christian now that I'm, I'm just perfect and stuff like that. No, it's about, you know, evaluating the, the downs, the ups, all the different stuff. So I'm just, you know, I'm really, really grateful that, you know, you allowed me to come on and, and share. So, you know, thanks, Rob. No, dude, I'm totally stoked. Um, hey, what I, one thing I encourage you to do, you know, share yeah. this with other people, because I think youth, you know, I'm a lot older than you are. I have a kid that's mm -hmm. you know, five years younger than you, but your age demographic, a lot of people, a lot of kids are going to look up to you. Um, you're an athlete. You're who they are inspired to be like. You're somebody that they want to model. Um, I really want to, uh, you know, attract more kids between that ages of 18 to 25 to this podcast, because I don't think they have an outlet. They're still trying to identify who they are and where they're going as are you. And as am I, I'm still at 40. I'm still trying to, to figure out, um, you know, all aspects of my life and it's going to be a work in progress, but I want more kids to be encouraged to hear this story. Um, understand that vulnerability is okay. Failures. Okay. Um, it's just part of who we are but it's about constantly progressing to the next best version of ourselves. And I think you embody that. And I hope you share this with everyone yep. once it comes out, because I hope this spreads through not only baseball, but through life, like a, like a brush yeah, fire. Definitely really will. Good. Thank you so much, Rob. Thanks for listening to the real transcendence podcast with your host, Rob Maynard. Please subscribe below and rate this podcast. Thanks for listening. And until next time, keep transcending.